Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm good, yeah. How did you sleep last night? Uh, on the side of my back, as usual. Oh, dear. Wow, yes. Mate. This is day two of our <laughs> tour, our podcast yep. tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Rockers on the Road. Old Rockers on the Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still in Shepton. Yeah. Still at Pocket Money Studio, yeah. having a great time. Fantastic. We had a great night last night at the yeah, bar. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Do you know it was the producer? He kind of he slid under the... Did he, did he, you did, see that? he let us down last night. He I'm did, didn't he? The say. man who pre- preaches the rules was slightly worse for wear on r- white wine, I believe. <laughs> and cider. <laughs> and cider. I he had cider, actually, Yes, right? yeah. yeah, he was yeah. on cider, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, cider. bless him. He was a good Yeah, No. <laughs> anyway, yep. back to today's podcast, day yep. two. Yeah. Um, fellow bass player for myself. Yep. Uh, worked, well, with some fabulous people. Yeah. Um, yeah, checking him out, um, done some great stuff, played one of my favourite guitar players, um, yeah, all-round great musician, yep. and played with the the, the oh my lordy, lordy, lord, lord, yep. can't wait to talk to this guy. Should be very exciting. It's very exciting, so yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce James Ella. Hi James. Hi. Yeah. All right. Nice to Great. meet you. Yeah. Fantastic. Great to have you here. It's Thank you. Really good. Good yeah, to be fantastic. here. Fantastic. Now um, we normally start off just like talking about people's history, like yeah. how they got started in the industry or yeah. how they got started playing an instrument, whatever that may be. So if you could maybe take us through your okay. early influences and how you got to play the bass. Well, I started very late. I I, I always had this feeling that I was two years behind everybody else because I started playing when I was seventeen. And the people I've worked with are like, oh, no, I was carrying a guitar around all day when I was nine or mm. 12 or whatever. And yeah, I, st- yeah. I started really late. I'd had piano lessons between about nine and 12, I guess. So I had a sort of understanding of it. But a bass guitar, I, hadn't, I, I wanted to be a – I was good at drawing, and I wanted to be a designer of some sort, yeah. whatever it was. Of course, album covers in those days were a gateway drug to yes. wanting to be a designer. Yeah, you look yeah, at yeah. a Pink Floyd cover, I want to do yeah, that, yeah. you know, or whatever it was. Yeah. So – that's what I studied at, okay. and I was pretty good and happy with that. And then a, a friend of mine at school sold me a bass guitar for a fiver. My, we, we started at three, two friends of mine and I started a band at 17, and I wanted to be a drummer like, like yourself. Oh. And, uh, but my mate's You're parents... more sensible than, than I. <laughs> my parents' <laughs> mates were wealthy, so he could suddenly... He had a drum kit, a double bass drum premier drum kit in like wow. 70... I don't know, in the 70s at some point. Yeah, I had to buy my like, own. And I was like, shit. Mm. The other guy was definitely a guitar player. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be the bass player then. Okay. Yeah. So I bought a, I bought a bass guitar off an, another guy in school. Uh, Can which, you remember what, that was, what make it was? Can you remember? It was, set, it was home built by really? him. Wow. And it was... It was entirely made of mahogany. It's the heaviest thing I've ever lifted before I lifted, <laughs> had to lift an SVT cabinet. It was unbelievably uncomfortable and really badly made, and yeah, intonation yeah. was... But I could work out bass riffs on it, and, you know, we, we, we jammed and we played, like, Hawkwind-type stuff that <laughs> went on for 20 minutes in A. So it was all yeah, very yeah. exciting and stuff. <laughs> I wasn't really that serious about it. It's like, no, I'm going to go to art school, and I'm going to draw, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to design kettles or whatever it was going to be yeah and um so that's how i started and it wasn't like with a great ambition or anything until until i started really really getting into music at that time in the mid mid 70s i guess was the was the thing 
and I noticed started noticing bass as you you pick it up, and it's yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. amazing. Mm. John Paul Jones, yeah. Wolf, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, my God, you know, yeah. even um, yeah, 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 big influence was um, Ronnie Lane from the Faces, yeah, because yeah. he, he was so melodic. You noticed all that stuff, and yeah. and of course, you you, I mean, learning instruments in those days, as you, I'm sure you know, before the internet, before. Yeah, MP3s before software. Absolutely. You're, you're, what's what's the feel in, in the bit? So you're trying to find that weird bit of darker bit in the vinyl. Going, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm going to learn it again. So the learning, I think, had to be so intense because you yeah. were, had to commit to it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I remember doing that, and I but I didn't really start that till I was about. I went to art school, didn't like it. Right. Felt right. like a felt like a bit of a waste of time, and it isn't a waste of time because they're great places. Lots of creative people there, a bit mad, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I asked for a year off, and I, I said to the said to the college, "I want, uh, can I take a year out?" So I took a year out, and then at the end of the first year, it was getting interesting. And at the end of the second year, I, I so I asked for a second year. At the end of the second year, I was working in studios in London. So it was wow. very quick and wow. kind, a bit accidental, but that was the end of '78. I got my first session. Wow. And I, I, I had no idea what it to do. It must have been like a duck to water on Yes, what I was going well, to say. Well, I did work. Yeah, I've yeah. still got a diary somewhere. I decided that it was the year between 77 and 78. Was I quit college in 77 in April. Yeah. And I was like, right. I went back to live with my mum and dad, and I thought, I'm going to nail this. Yeah. So I spent a year practicing i mean you can imagine how i always like i said always felt behind two years or three years behind everybody else so i just i went crazy yeah i got a got a job to buy a proper bass which is a fender jazz 73 yeah nice. and a this is one of my biggest regrets i bought a marshall bass rig 1964 marshall bass rig right which actually i sold to move to london Uh which it's the only way i could afford to go to london so yeah yeah so that was a beautiful Beautiful, two four by tens, I think, or four by twelves. Yeah, pristine condition. A country bass player had bought it new in 1964 in Somerset, oh. and I was like, "Thank you for it." It was like a hundred quid or something. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> sounded amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't remember where I got to. So, uh, so you talk about when you first got to London. Oh yeah, yeah. first got to London, yeah. and I played in a in a like a vocal band in Somerset. About 15 gigs, I guess, in wine bars and stuff. And that was the first first kind of gig I did. But it was incredible because they had a, such a wide variety of material. It would go from Manhattan Transfer mm. to wow. Joni Mitchell, Bruce Springsteen. Wow. Uh, that is diverse. Wow. Yeah, so it was really... I had to suddenly... Suddenly I'm like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... You know, all that. So the range was amazing. So it was quite incredible. It was like university for me, actually. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was playing in... I think the last gig I did with them in 78, I was playing... We were playing in a wine bar. No drummer. It was... I was the... So that's another thing. I had to be the rhythm section as well. Well, yeah, yeah. Like this the whole time. Yeah, myself. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. And so uh, this, these two guys were, like, looking, and I thought, they're looking at me. It's a bit weird, you know, da-da-da-da. Anyway, when they left, I was packing up and came over with a literally, I mean, it sounds like a movie, literally the fag packet. It went, if you move to London, call me. I'm a songwriter. Mm. So I was like, okay, mate, I will. Mm. 
And about six months later, I moved to London and mm. I called him. Yeah. I had all the, you know, you go to London and you get all these part-time jobs or, yeah. you know, post office. I was a cycle courier when there I first you go. moved in. <laughs> there you go. It's all that stuff. And, and, you know, I'm old enough that it was full employment then. So if yeah. you, I go to a job and it's working in a department store, yeah. warehouseman, you go, oh, I don't like this. So you go to the job center that afternoon and get take, get the board and, yeah. I think I worked for the post office. So just had all these jobs. <laughs> yeah, anyway, times, they? on a day off between all that, I called him and he went, James, that's incredible. I'm in the record label at the moment. We're, we're discussing bass players. Wow. We're in, um, there was a studio at Stanhope Place by behind Marble Arch, uh, which Paul Weller later bought, Stanhope Place. And he said, can you be there on Thursday? Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was like, sure, no problem. I didn't ask about money. I had no idea. No. no. And he, he said, where do you live? And I had a bed sit in Richmond. And he said, there'll be a car for you, nine o'clock on Wednesday morning. Wow. I was like, okay. Blimey. I know. So I was like, okay. I knew nothing. I absolutely knew nothing. Just up from Somerset. Yeah. You know, no, no case for my what bass. intro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No case for my bass. I just took my, put my... <laughs> So this Jaguar turns up with a driver with a peak cap, Mr. Allen. It's like, yes, that's me. <laughs> Marble Arch. So, yes, please. So I go to Marble Arch and I'm sitting in the Fantastic. studio. I was like, oh, hi, I've never been in a studio before. What is this? What's that? What does that do? Hmm. You know, that's a mixing console. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you see all these channels, all your instruments go in there and they get mixed into. I was like, oh, brilliant. So I knew nothing. Yeah. Anyway, then I looked around, the other musicians were there. The drummer was a guy from a jazz rock band called Backdoor who were a British band had an amazing bass player called Colin Hodgkinson I believe so right. it was a trio yeah, Sa- Ron Asprey was the sax player it's like sax bass drums so quite, kind of kind of aggressive avant jazz yeah yeah so I'd been listening to him the week before thinking oh. what a great band yeah and so suddenly I'm there with with this drummer and the guitar player was a guy from um a jazz rock ba- jazz funk band called Hummingbird who were the bee's knees in in uh, London, yeah, playing right, all the okay. clubs and super cool, and oh yes, they're such great musicians. So suddenly I'm like, <gasps> shit, I'm with these people. Yeah, and that was how my did, first. How did that make you feel? Did we, I, I mean, was terrified. I would be. Just <laughs> yeah, absolutely I terrified. Say, so like I've been in London five minutes, and then mm. you know I'm doing this. And the mm. thing that the, it was three day session that I was booked for, and the thing I found most alarming, you kind of. Expect it all to be oh mate amazing yeah off oh I love that Phil yeah. but there's it's like silence it's like and the, the experienced guys are going all right yeah okay middle eight then drop in the middle eight sure it's all very kind of yeah, yeah. calm and not old, yeah. and not not kind of like whoa yeah. bloody hell we're amazing none of that yeah. And so I was like, oh, I don't think I'm doing very well. You know, nobody's congratulating me yeah, on, the, yeah, yeah. on that fill I did in bar 48. Yeah. And so I felt a bit weird. Yeah. Three days. It's like, bye then. We finished at six every evening. It's okay, bye. We'll do those four tomorrow. And then Friday. We'll... So it's like, okay. So I didn't know what to think. And I wasn't yeah. hanging with anybody. I didn't know anybody. Mm. And um, so the last day comes and we've, we've just nailed song 13 or whatever it is. It's six in the evening. I'm like, okay. All right, well done, guys. It's very muted and, you know, I think yeah. it sounds great and, oops, it sounds great and, yeah. but I don't know. I've got no, no idea. No. no. Until the drummer, it's like this big guy like that, 
he came up to me and he put his arms around my shoulder like that and he was like you're going to be alright son yeah and I was like, it was the biggest compliment <laughs> yeah. I've ever had him. I was like, Fantastic. oh, thank you, mate. <laughs> it was so great. It was Brilliant. so great. And, oh, and, uh, Fantastic. And it gave me the confidence to actually then, about a month later, between my sort of post office and inland revenue cl- clerical jobs, yeah. was to apply uh, answer an advert in Melody Maker. Yeah. And that, then that, in turn, it was just the confidence because I'd seen yeah. them and you go, Bass player wanted da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm, I don't know. I'm not good enough. And but it gave him the confidence to do that in the yeah, January, following yeah. January, and I did, and I got the jo- got the gig. So that's how how I started. It was yeah. from I had no idea what to do, yeah. no idea at all. I just played as best as I could. Yeah, and I'd had no idea about sound. No, you know, did I have new strings on? I've got no idea. No. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't worry about it. No. I had a strap and a bass. No yeah. cable. They provide, had to provide the cable. Yeah. I must have, must have been the most amateurish guy they ever met in that yeah. Well, they saw something. It's, it's, it's often it's about the person, though. Yeah. Yeah. They obviously liked you as a person. I think well. so. I mean, I'm, yeah. not, I'm really not an offensive person. And easy person. to work with. I'm not an offensive. I mean, that's the whole key, though, isn't it? It's yeah. like music is a. My friend Johnny uh, from the. the he, he said a great thing back in those days. He said, above all, music's a social activity. Yeah, and, and the same rules apply to you socially. Mm. If, you, if you piss people off, they're gonna, not going to turn up at the pub when you want them to. Yeah, you know, it's right. like, yeah. just be nice to people. Yeah. Be understanding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't have to be a pushover or a walkover, but just... Yeah, of course. I, I, the greatest compliment exactly. I ever had, well, one of them was this French drummer I worked with. And I worked with him. He was brought in on a tour... Uh, in, in an emergency it was a long tour and the previous drummer was let go and this guy um, Fabian was, was brought in and after we worked together for about five months he, he was like I like your style James I said oh well thanks mate <laughs> he said <laughs> he said your persona is I'm cool but don't fuck with me yeah. <laughs> and I was like ah that sorry about that but that, that, that's the thing yeah. you know it's yeah, like yeah. I'm cool with everything yeah. Don't push my buttons. Don't ask me to do stupid things, you know, and I, we'll get along. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I like what that. What can you yeah. ask for, eh? I well, know, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, James, from that, um, so what other sessions did you do? Well, that, the, the first thing, I, the, the, the advert I answered in Melody Maker was, it was sort of interesting bass player required for new wave band. Right. I was like. Okay, I'll answer that. And I went to... Oh, uh, sorry, what year was this now? What this is now the beginning of 79. 79 so my first so you... session was 78. Right, okay. It's only been 45 years. It's <laughs> 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 terrifying. I, feel, I get vertigo when I think about how long it's been. Uh, don't think about it. But yeah, So I, I went to this audition where it was Clive. Clive Langer then became a massive producer. Uh... But first of all, I joined his band. It was called Clive Langer and the Boxes. He was signed to a label called Radar, which was Jake Riviera, who was Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe's manager, started Stiff. He had a label called Radar that Elvis Costello was on. And Clive was on it as well as Clive Langer and the Boxes. So I joined the Boxes, and that was my first Mm. proper gig. He paid me when he could, and I was like, oh, thanks. you know. And uh, great guy, absolutely great guy. And so we, we started doing gigs, rehearsing, doing gigs, did some recording. I think the first proper recording I did was um, It's All Over Now. He was like, I'm going to do a version of It's All Over Now, right. but we're going to Olympic to do it. 
Wow. So we were a yeah. tiny little band, little new wave band like that, in this massive space where the Stones had recorded it in '63 or '4. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. You know, so, Sorry, yeah. So that was exciting, and yeah, I was just sort of getting used to getting used to it, and nothing's really changed. You still have to deal with people and deal with the yeah, late keyboard player and you know all that stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So drunk it's been, producers, hmm? drunk producers. I know. He's just having another <laughs> dig at him. Yeah, just. You don't have to take that. <laughs> so, so yeah it was just really good and then so uh clive um did a load of load of gigs with clive including the montreal jazz festival where they oh, had a lovely. new wave night nice and we were invited to play so we drove down there in t- in clive's tiny fiat van all the way through to montreal <laughs> but it was like mom i'm in montreal you know it's like yeah what the jazz festival it's like yeah and uh so we played there uh, and that was quite incredible. What's really incredible is that um, I never ever listen to myself ever. I get sent the records and I put them on a shelf. I don't. Mm. I'm not interested. You've played them. You've played it so many I times. Know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you might check the mix on a track you like or whatever. And then, so Claude Nobbs was the guy who ran the Montreux Jazz. Festival. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Clive, the infamous Claude Nobbs, exactly. Water, so yeah. Clive met him about ten yeah. years ago. He was driving through. Switzerland he said oh, I'm going to go and see Claude because they kept in touch and Claude said Clive I've got something for you Clive was like really okay come with me so he went into the, they were in his house and he went into this room Claude typed a few commands on this sort of console like that and the thing started whirring and he's like oh and then about a minute later a DVD arrives down a chute or something yeah. and it's our performance videoed Wow. In 1980, of oh. Clive Lang on the boxes, and it's the only, wow. the only thing I've ever seen yeah. of that group. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's well, actually, nice it's have. quite good. It's yeah. quite it's good. It's nice when you watch stuff like I know. And you think, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, right. yeah. Right, what's yeah. weird is it yeah. set me off on a kind of oh, what else did I do? You yeah. know, just starting in about 81, 82, I started playing with Nick Lowe, yeah, and I looked for those TV shows and gigs and all that stuff. And went all the way through, and then the next stuff is like Julian Cope, uh, Kirsty McCall, and then it's the the, oh. uh, and then kind of the French guy, French people, mm-hmm. and yeah, the yeah. French guy I work with. <laughs> but what's interesting, bass playing, it's quite a thing because I started off the 1980. I'm like this nippy little speedboat. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah. Chewing gum and like, oh, yeah. yeah. The down, energy, yeah. it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You know, all that. And actually, what happens, it's slowly over the years, to my, the sound, my sound, and I'm not normally so self-aggrandizing, but the sound turns into, now I sound like an aircraft carrier or a oil tanker. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Then it's like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And then now I realize that, in fact, playing with Nick Lowe was the, was the first thing where you just, you hold a note in one of those big places and it's like, you, okay. You realise what a PA can do. I you? love the sound of yeah. that. Yeah. So my sound is is yeah. very big now. Yeah. Mm. But that's that's learned, isn't it? That's experience. Yeah, that's, learned experience. Yeah, experience. Yeah. that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know that. You know. Yeah, that's right. It's like. So yeah, that I mean, it, 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 I'm influenced by that. I want the bass yeah. to sound foundational. I really do, mm. and I'm aware there are so many f- 
thousands of fantastic bass players now, even yeah. under 15. Yeah, you know, it's, right. like, it's astonishing. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's really astonishing. Gone to YouTube happened. and uh, like, yeah, Scott's wow. bass lessons is an amazing resource, yeah. and yeah. you know the bass playing is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've got it all at their fingertips now, youngsters. Yeah, but that wasn't there then. Well, not, wasn't, not well like we no, mentioned no, before, putting needles down on vinyl. Yeah, that's to, right. To learn that fill again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, I, you know, but it, it's almost saturation now, though. Whereas back in our day. Oh, we sound older, me. But um, it 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 did mean it seemed to mean so much more. It, it was everything. Music itself. Yeah, music was it, everything well, there's, to there's me. So many yeah, now. yeah. There's you know, too my, much going my kids on. Kids who are now in their early thirties. Yeah. yeah, gaming. I mean, that I was the thing. Yeah. They they love music, but gaming was the, the yeah. thing they go to when they yeah. come come yeah, from yeah. school. Exactly. Yeah. Boof. Yeah. Yeah. Nintendo, not Led Zeppelin. You know, it's it's yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, it right. meant so much to us, didn't it? It yeah. did. I mean, it yeah. was everything. Yeah, just want everything. to be that person or do whatever that was. I want to do that. You yeah. know, whoever yeah. that you were listening to at the time, I want to be Phil Lynott, which is a bit difficult when I'm white Caucasian with hair, <laughs> which is slightly rude. But anyway, that's mm. I, I, yeah, I, I wanted to be him. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's not it, funny. It was the dri- it was the driving thing for everybody. Yeah, yeah. you know, not even football then. You might want to be Trevor Francis or Pele. Yeah, I was never really into football. No, I know, but... but just, I know a lot of Musos. Yeah, just are. culturally it was yeah, like, yeah. what were the ways out, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. What were the ways to avoid working in the tax office or the, <laughs> yeah. or the canning factory Is that what it is, do you think, at the end of the day? We, we didn't want a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think, honestly, I think, I think there's a there's a There's an element of that, that isn't there? There yeah, really if is. If you have a... Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you look at the... I mean, I won't get too, you know, political. But if you look at the system as it is, and you're 17, and you're full of life and all that yeah. stuff, mm. in a year's time, I'm going to leave school and go and work in a planning office. Mm. Not sure. Yeah. yeah, you're going to chafe at it for sure. Yeah. Which is why I guess people go parasailing and yeah, yeah, and to go, go to the I mean, pub I, after work. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Very quickly after, you know, you, we talked about it briefly before, was the spark you get from the joy mm. you get from three or four or five people in a room and you, even when yeah. you're young and you're learning, oh, we played A at the same time. time it's yeah. just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then later on when you, you know, you've worked for hours on a, on a sophisticated end of a middle eight or something and yeah, it's yeah. like, you're like, oh, check that out. And the hairs stand up and you're like, mm. mate. Yeah, yeah, you know it's so collaborative and brilliant. Yeah, yeah it really yeah. is. Um, it's interesting. You, 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 you did a lot of different bands. I mean, because I've always been a person who kind of sits with one band for a long time. Um, I'm more like what, that what than made you? Think. you f- oh, you are. Yeah, it's, it's just that it happened that way for you. It happened that way. Yeah. I would have preferred. I love being in a band. Yeah, I really love being in a band. So the ones I've enjoyed most. Uh, are the ones where it's a group of people who are, in a sense, ses- in a sense, session musicians, really. Yeah. But actually, we coalesce, and it feels like a band, even though legally it's not, or whatever. Yeah. And that's my favourite thing. I like the familiarity, and I like the comradeship. Mm. Yeah. And the regularity of it. It's like yeah. oh, I'm seeing my mates next month for yeah. six weeks. It's going to yeah. be great. I love that. Yeah. 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 And I never 
people saying, oh, you're a session player and all that stuff. I never really, I never had that mentality. Mm. It's like, oh, they've asked me to come and play on a record. I think I can be good for that record. Mm. I think I could, rather than some slapping guy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think I know the sound they need. Yeah. And I'd go there already with it. And usually I was kind of in the right area. So, yeah, yeah. but I just, I, I mean, my favorite thing is being in a studio for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, you take five or six or seven, however many people are in there, including the engineer and the producer and the artist, obviously, and the other musicians are there. And you're presented with, clearly, there's a great idea in this demo somewhere. Yeah. Mm. It's in the wrong key and at the wrong tempo. Let's work it out. Mm. So then a few hours later, you have this thing and you're all high-fiving each other because it's so great. Yeah. And that's that's my... Th- I just... Yeah. Yeah, that's my whole thing. My if, if my whole life it's a real been collaborative, like creative experience. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had rows with people um, where the artist doesn't behave like it's a band. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I know what you mean. And a real argument. I mean, I had a real stand-up, nearly fight in the street about it with a singer I work with, and and it was basically um, I took issue with something. And I waited for him to come in. I said, I need a word with you. Took him in the street and I said, look, the, took him in the lobby of this rehearsal place. And and I said, I my favourite thing is being in a group or a band, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm. And there's the way it works is there's four or five, however many, in a circle s- s- facing in. I don't care what your girlfriend thinks. I don't care what your manager thinks or your label thinks. I don't give a shit. But I care what the guitar player thinks. So if he wants to tell me that he, my bass sound is too harsh, he can tell me. I'm happy with that. I'm really happy. And I'll tell you if you're singing out of tune, blah, blah, blah. And it developed into this sort of brawl. He was mm. took real offence at what I was saying. So mm. I'm the artist. And, yeah. and I was like, How yeah, dare you? I know you're the artist, but yeah. I'm here yeah. working for you because you're a great artist. Yeah. But I need it to be like this. Otherwise, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going. I'm off. And it develops into this sort of little scrap. <laughs> oh, and he God. said, uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to fight with you. Do you want to fight? And I was like, you want to fight with me? And I'm really a mild kind of guy. Person, I just, yeah. I want to get on with everybody. Yeah. Can't yeah, we all just get yeah, along? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I just lost it. And I said, you want to fight with me? You're touching me here. You're, you're, you've grabbed my collar. Hmm. I'll take you out in the street and I'll fucking kill you. And he was like, ah, okay, I understand. And it's been a long collaborative great yeah, process yeah. since yeah yeah fantastic <laughs> well and but, but it, it's my that's my whole thing i just want mm. people yeah yeah you know if i'm doing a session with you in fact with you as well if i was sort of yeah. producing it it's like I, the three of us want it to work of course we want it to work yeah, we don't have fucking egos like this no, no we right. just want it to work that's yeah. the whole idea yeah yeah that's right yeah. so yeah i mean it's yeah yeah great that's my whole thing and i i, th- I think it's kind of you know, I, I knew a lot of musicians who kind of, for whatever reason, counted themselves out or were counted out when they reached their mid to late 20s. They're, they're either going back to college or mm. they're like, oh, yeah, it's I, a time I, I need they... a proper job. Or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But really, the people who make it past that are diamonds. Yeah. Absolute oh, yeah. diamonds. Because, like I said before, it's hard. Yeah. And you have to be very, very committed, especially if you start getting married and having children. Oh, and the mortgage, you have to be yeah. so committed to it, yeah. yeah, to being great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a and constant learning curve too. It is. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. 
Well, James, what was, what was that? Uh, you mentioned Kirsty McCall. Yeah. What was it like working with Kirsty? She was one of the most amazing musicians I ever, I ever saw. She's was she incredible. Absolutely incredible. Mm. I did a set. I I went to see Johnny Marr recording. He called oh, me and said, Johnny. "Oh, I'm, well, we're in a studio near you in East London somewhere. Why don't you pop down?" And I came down. And I'd known Kirsty for a long time. I met her at a. I met her and Steve Lillywhite at a. It might have been. It was a Christmas party. It was either. Um, I think it was it was Stiff Records or it was um, Townhouse having a Christmas party in like right. 1980 or 81 or something, mm. quite early on. And I tagged along as part of the Jake Riviera crew, the mm. Elvis Costello musicians yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that. I, I, anyway, I went there and I met her there. Got on really well. And, um, and she said, oh, if I need a, a bass player, I'll call you. And then about... Five years later, she did. I mean, I was always aware of Five her. Five years, wow. Do you yeah, but I, I, I bumped into her quite a few times and yeah, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And then I did, I got called by her to do her album, Kite. Now, I'd, I'd all, I knew her, so not very well. I mean, you know, bump into, oh, I guess how's it going? Hmm. But always admired her. She, just an amazing yeah. songwriter, singer, yeah, person, yeah. artist, so kind, and uh, great the, ta- the talent. Anyway, yeah. Johnny Marr called me and he said, oh, we're, we're in a studio quite near I you, love I Johnny think. Marr. And can you, do you want to come down and, and watch me recording this track? And I hadn't played bass on it. I think Guy Pratt had played bass on it. Oh, Guy when, Pratt. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's a, I mean, I've known, we're sort of internet friends. Uh, I, think I'm, I think I met him like, in fact, I know I met him very early on. Um, amazing bass player. Well, yeah, we can come yeah, back yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I went down there and he said, oh, Kirsty's coming down. I was, oh, great. And she's going to do some BVs. He was making a demo of some sort, which she later covered. Uh, it was that song, um, oh, what's it called, the New York one? Uh, anyway, she came down to do BVs on this demo, which I think turned into a record. Yeah. And it was basically, she said, can you arm eight tracks to the engineer? I was like, sure, like that. Give me... I'm going to do two, 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 and two, and just run it. Right. So she ran it. She's right from the top. She ran it. First harmony's doubled. Back to the start. Second harmony's doubled. Mm. So eight vocals, yeah. four sets of two, and it was done. That was it. There was no like, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. straight. Wow. You know, music. I mean, as a musician, that's just that's an amazing. incredible, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. incredible thing, and, and yeah. pristine and perfect, and yeah. you know, no practicing, talent. not what even like, oh, what's the fourth harmony on this? Oh, yeah. had it in the head, head and just yeah. baff straight off, incredible. incredible. And I did her r- album Kite, and the other bass players were, of course, we never meet each other. Were Pino and Guy. Right. So I was in a very esteemed com- company. You certainly yeah, were. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> wow. Great Royal, bass players. Royalty there. Mm. And, uh, wow. But again, I, I, I felt like I had the sound for it. I thought about it, and I was like, okay, big, beefy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Quite modest, actually. <laughs> it was, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do this. It's just like I want the song to work. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so wow. that was Kirsty. And you mentioned Johnny Marr. Yeah, so... The great... I've still got it somewhere. Do you remember when answer phones were on cassette? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I've got a cassette somewhere from my answer phone in 1988. And <laughs> I, w- I, was, I was feeling quite accomplished about okay. that time. Mm. I was like, I'm doing well. You know, I'm getting called to make albums. And, yeah. you know, 
and uh, my hair's finally cool, and you know all that stuff. <laughs> I was feeling like feeling like the Prince Regent of London. Your hair's you know, still like, cool. Oh, it's not yeah. bad. And uh, so I, I felt like I'd finally gone from that shy, introverted seventeen-year-old who picked up a bass and went, "Oh, in ten years." To this guy who's quite in demand for yeah, yeah it's fantastic yeah, work, fantastic, and I yeah. felt quite good. And yeah, why not? Absolutely. So I came yeah. home one night from a one night from a session. Clicked the answer machine on, and I, I, I think I've still got it. So hi, this is Chrissy Hind. My friend Johnny Marr has recommended you to be in my band, The Pretenders. <laughs> as oh, if I didn't oh, know. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I called her back the next day, and she said, "Yeah, come and meet us at uh, at my house in where was it, Kilburn or Maida Vale or." Somewhere like that. Went up there, up the steps, this massive house knocked on the door. Johnny answered. If you are struggling on what to get for the old rocker in your life, how about an old rocker's T-shirt for Christmas? The perfect stocking filler. Buy your old rocker's T-shirt now. Check out the old rocker's website for details at www.old-rockers.co.uk. of the door I didn't know they were having dinner he oh. they just formed they just decided to have a new version of the pretenders and Johnny mm. recommended me okay. so you know that was a brilliant thing and mm. we fantastic we, we did some stuff did they have Guy Chambers on drums did he or, uh, uh, no it no? was um Guy you mean the other you mean the other guy not Guy Guy Chambers is the oh Robbie sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah um yeah that part. great guy he was great Oh, is he the guy who's still in the Pretenders? Yeah, these original, oh. yeah, Ma- uh, hey, uh, uh, Martin Chambers, Martin Chambers, Martin. Ma- that's it. Pardon. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, very interesting thing here Martin, was yeah. I only saw the Pretenders once before that, and it was mm. in Los Angeles at the Forum. A promoter friend was going there. He said, "Oh, ja- James, you want to come and see the Pretenders?" I was like, sure. Had a night off. Yeah, Went yeah. to the Forum to see the Pretenders, and I was expecting to see Martin playing because, yeah, yeah. This is another thing I'm very passionate about. You can't replace people in groups. Yeah. Martin Chambers was a key Absolutely. part of the sound because Absolutely. it's not ruthlessly yeah, studio-esque. Yeah. Ba, boom, ga. And they had some guy. Martin had just left and they had to have some drafted in a replacement. And I can't remember his name. I don't know who it was. Hmm. But hmm. it was just that. It was like, boom, ga, boom, ga. Rigid, like a, you know, yeah, it was just yeah. so boring. There didn't was no, breathe, no movement swing. or excitement. No. no, and Martin yeah. certainly bought that. Yeah, you know, I thought yeah. he was great. That first yeah. Pretenders band were amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Except that, well, the new one is really great. Did yeah, you see the Glastonbury? Yeah, band? brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really in it for a minute. Good. And Johnny Marr right. guessed it, didn't he? Yeah, but really, <laughs> that that core band. Yeah, before he came on, which yeah. is, I was like, whoa, yeah, man, it's really so good. good. Yeah. She's a great person. And uh, she's really good. I enjoyed it. We didn't do much work. And then I I joined the The, so... Yeah, The, why? If we'd worked more, I think probably... Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. It was... It, she's an amazing person. Johnny's an amazing person. The drummer was a guy called um, James Hood, who was her boyfriend at the time. Okay. Who was very, very good and, you know... Yeah. It just didn't... Yeah. Re- it wasn't the time for it, I don't think. And so I, I know, could, with, with Chrissy, she's... She sounds just the same as she did. She's unbelievable. I mean, some of these artists, I'm not going to mention, you know, you think, okay. But Chrissy, wow. Wow, wow, wow. She's really, she was one of those people you, you know, okay, you're in the band. 
Hello, Mum. I'm in The Pretenders. It's like a real... <laughs> I loved The Pretenders from day one. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. She... Fantastic. You know, you'd be in her sitting room and she said, oh, yeah, I'm thinking of this as a song. And she's got the loudest, you know, that tremp vibrato on her yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, man, it's perfect. Yeah. And she's, she's such amazing, a great person, really inspirational yeah. person. Yeah. yeah and I great. think about her a lot, actually. I, was, I met Johnny the other night when he was playing at the Cheese and Grain in, in Froome right. three nights ago. And we had a long chat about her. Because we were both in it very briefly. Yeah. But we... You know, he was saying, oh, you know, I think about her all the time because she's such a good person and yeah. such an icon. Yeah. She is an icon. A proper one Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. she's brilliant. I Absolutely. did meet Amazing. her once at um, Terminal Studios. Oh, yeah, on the Terminal, yeah. There and we just, you know, there's a little area you go to mm. eat and all that. So mm. I, I did briefly chat to her once, I think it was. <laughs> well, yeah, she was really... But she seemed a really cool yeah, nice she, person. Yeah, it felt like she yeah. would... She would defend you with a baseball bat if you right. were in her band. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I yeah, love that feeling. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. no shit. Yeah. This yeah. is my band. Leave them alone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, just really, yeah. really great. That's I love great, that feeling. Yeah. That's yeah. great, that is. You know. Yeah. There's no art. I'm the artist vibe there, then. No, none at all. <laughs> none at all. She wants a band. So yeah. we did a bit of recording. We we did, uh, Kiefer Sutherland had a film called, um, who she knew had a film called, 1969 so we went in the studio funny enough with nick Lowe producing right in clive langer's studio west side <laughs> i was like oh well my history is all here, here yeah yeah and uh, so we did uh, we did a version of iggy's 1969 yeah and a burt bacharach song called windows on the world right. so we did a video for windows on the world to time with the movie's release and it's the only proof I have that I was in The Pretenders and someone found the video the other day it's like good thank you oh that's nice thank you well that is it's certainly not, it's not on YouTube then is it I'll, probably I'll, I'll try and find it yeah, I know like everything is yeah. <laughs> yeah look at my dog farting yeah on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know 86,000 views yeah yeah crazy, crazy isn't it? it it is mad yeah um we touched briefly on your early influences, yeah. uh, other players and, and maybe other bands. We could, could we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, bass I wasn't really aware of. I think the first time I noticed it was Ronnie Lane with the faces because he was so melodic. Yeah. Uh, I loved Led Zeppelin but wasn't a musician yet. And so when I decided to try, Led Zeppelin were the first ones I went to. Right. You're like copying it going, oh, okay. That's interesting. What a band, eh? You love Bonham, don't you? I, I still have. Bonham. Yeah, I do. I but still have. You know that? Yeah, I yeah. still. I've never sat down and le really learnt anything. Mm. I, st they st I think the thing that's always underrated about Led Zeppelin is the production, yeah. because they had that sound that's never been, never been emulated properly. No. Jimmy Page, and I, to a lesser extent, John Paul Jones. I think they apparently they produced each other when they were playing, yeah. and. I absolutely loved them. And I remember reading an interview with John Paul Jones and the, the, the interview was something like, so what does it feel like to be the greatest heavy rock bass player in the world in the greatest heavy rock band in the world? And he said, I'm not a rock bass player, I'm a soul bass player. Yeah. I didn't even know what that was. Mm. I had no idea. I was like 14 or 15. Yeah. And so down in Taunton where I lived, there was a news agent at the end of go down our street and turn left and there was a news agent there and they had they had a like fruit boxes you know those like cardboard and wood yeah. oh yeah and it yeah. was it was basically cut out records from jukebox jukeboxes so they had 
but it basically had rock, pop, country, soul. And I went, I was like, oh, for the first time ever, I went rifling through the, with your fingers as you do, the soul bit. Yeah, yeah. And it was like Tamla Motown, you know, Stax, Otis Redding and all that stuff. And I bought a couple and I was like, yeah. well, what's that? And, and I understood what he meant. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I dug these, those records out when I, and so it was really the, the things that started me were, John Paul's, oh, I mustn't forget Andy Fraser as well. Who, Andy well, Fraser. I was going to that. That, that was I, in the back of my mind. I was talking yeah. to someone the other day about his favourite drummer. Yeah. Because I was, uh, you know, every, every drummer raves about Bonham. Yeah. Okay. But he was said, well, mine's Simon Kirk because of his groove. And How? I, and I, I mean, thinking, he's so groovy, we're just doing force. You're actually bang on there. Yeah. You listen Amazing to that band. stuff. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. Andy Fraser. Andy. I yeah. mean, well, he, I, was the, he moved it. He was the movement, wasn't he? Oh, and he just the sound as well as from a, on that groove. And I it was think like he's underrated. Andy. He's totally underrated. Yeah. An amazing songwriter as yeah. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Did he do Every Kind of People? I think he wrote that, didn't I'm he? not sure. I'm he wrote sure. something like that. And, and I mean, just a boom, 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 yeah. kind of so rhythmic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely copped stuff from him. He yeah. was amazing. Yeah. John Paul Jones definitely. Mm. Uh, anybody who played with for Motown, I didn't had no idea who who they were. Well, I'm the I, I know exactly because I'm the same because I actually, I love Motown music yeah. and I love the grooves. I love the drummers. I love I, yeah. I love everything about Motown. Yeah, I know, so everything. But I feel a lot of the rock drummers all the of the seventies. I don't know so much about the modern drummers, but. They've been listening to all that stuff. Absolutely right. Yeah, you can Absolutely hear it. right. Yeah, they're all jazzers, aren't they? As well, well, it's the groove. It's, it's the, right. Yeah, they're just, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's a crossover. So, rock, rock, jazz. so there was those guys, and yeah. then Average White Band. Yeah. They had two bass players, Hamish and yeah. Alan, Absolutely. I think, Alan Gorry, who would swap. Yeah. They were both amazing, which also led me to Kokomo, who were a similar band, signed to CBS, I think, on yeah. the back of Average White Band's success. Yeah, and they... Oh, they had a bass player called Alan Spenner, who, depending, I mean, he's so brilliant. I think he's my favourite bass player. And he, he, he played at uh, Woodstock with uh, Joe Cocker at 18. He was 18 or something. Wow. He did the soundtrack to Hair, the musical, that was a massive album. Yeah. Then he was in Kokomo. As they, were, they were like the average white band, more songs rather than grooves, yeah. but they were really groovy. Mm. I copped everything... Every, I learned every bass lick of the first Average White Band album and wow. the second one <laughs> and the Kokomo record. Yeah. So those three guys, mm -hmm. Alan Gorry, Hamish Stewart, Alan Spenner, they, I, I do sessions now and I think, oh, there's a bit of Hamish. There's a bit of Alan. You know, I just, it's like, really? Yeah, but I think and we all do that, you know. That's, it's that's just so, they were so yeah. brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Never met any of them. Yeah. Oh. So great. I think Average White Band are playing in their last tour next year. And I'm going to buy tickets to see them in Bath at the Forum, I think, because there's only Hamish isn't in it anymore, but, but yeah. Alan is. And right. I just, I, I listen to those records now and I'm like, oh man, it really gets to my, mm. it, yeah. it, it went in my DNA so yeah. hard. Yeah. More than all that hard rock, actually. I was going to say, I was going to mention Entwistle. Are you a fan? Not or, really. Or not so Funnily enough. Yeah. yeah. Not really. I mean, as I, I have conflicting, because I I you see Pino and people playing with the Who, yeah, and you think I I sort of I mean Zach Starkey's an amazing drummer, yeah, 
I'm actually to, me. to see him in, in August. Uh, okay, uh, since right. August. And it, whistle, like, I, I, it never got me. Yeah. It never really... I liked, didn't like the Who before Who's Next. It all felt a bit tinny to me. Mm-hmm. Like the recordings felt like trebly and and the bass didn't help because it's so clanky. Mm. I mean, he's an ama- Don't get me wrong. He's an amazing bass player. Yeah. And you sit there going, whoa, man. But it didn't get me it like didn't that. didn't touch you in that way. No. 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 Yeah. And... Um, but Zach Stark is an amazing drummer. Pino's an amazing bass player. They're a good team. In fact, any bass player they have, they have a couple of LA guys work with them as well. And they're John Button's one of them, who's an amazing LA guy. Uh, yeah, I think if if someone has said, "Can you be? Do you want to be in the Who or Led Zeppelin?" There's no contest. And the thing I've, I've <laughs> funny thing was, I read this thing once where um, the Led Zeppelin might have been. Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Entwistle, and Keith Moon. Yeah, I've heard and you that. Think, yeah, I've heard that. What a disaster that would have been. <laughs> yeah. Absolute disaster. Yeah. I think Phil Linnett was going to work with Moon yeah, at was, some yeah. point. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, yeah, Phil was, yeah. Yeah. Think, yeah. Well, and with Richie and... Yeah. Went he and uh, David Coverdale and at one time, but, they, you know, allegedly... The Glenn came. Hughes was a bass player I, li- I loved. Yeah, when Glenn, he When yeah, he joined... yeah. Deep Purple. Yeah, what from Trapeze? Very funky. He was a great bass player. Yeah. He is a great bass player. He what is, am I yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. He's you still know. got the vocal range as well. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> bastard singing as well. <laughs> oh, you know. No, that he is. Looks <laughs> good. He looks cool. So. He, he I does, know. He does, <laughs> not he? Yeah. And Coverdale as well, you know, amazing singer. Yeah. And Yeah. I yeah. am. <laughs> I listened to Guy's podcast with... Uh, Gary Kemp? Yeah. yeah. That's a good thing. I, I heard the... Uh, yeah, brilliant. The Coverdale one, both of them, I think. Actually, he's he's just so funny. So yeah. funny, isn't he? Yeah, yeah great I, singer. I love the rock on tours. Yeah, it, good. It, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so got to the average white band and Kokomo, and Stax and Motown. So I was learning all that stuff, and then of course, in the middle of all this, you have big. I had a big prog phase, and a big. You know, it's just like oh yeah, Genesis man. <sighs> So great, Gentle Giant, wow, you know, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then some of those were a bit jazzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went on to this whole fusion, 70s fusion thing where it's Weather Report, Jacko, of course. Mm-hmm. Jacko, I heard Jacko, and I was like, I'm never going to be a player like that. Yeah. So I never learned anything. I was like, he's so great. He's so it was such a shock so in 76. Yeah. yeah, You know, you're listening to, you think, Verdine White, I can do that. I can play Earth, Wind yeah, & Fire yeah, bass yeah, lines. Yeah. I can do the Commodores. You know, I can play this. And then suddenly Jacko comes. Yeah. Stanley Clark, I could yeah. even, you know, think, yeah. oh, yeah, if I sat down, I could. Pastorius, not a chance. chance yeah. I never, ever attempted anything because I knew. Amazing. He's out there, isn't he? he was Incredible. So yeah. yeah, Incredible. Had an had a interesting encounter with him. And it's more like a philosophical personal development thing was <laughs> I was asked because he was uh, he's an amazing bass player that I loved and never tried to emulate. That's just right, like, okay, yeah. And he yeah, had yeah. so much energy. That's he, mm. I was really into new wave and stuff. And he he mm. seemed to have that. It was like punky. You know, it was really mm. like. But it's not it's not kind of Fusak. It's not like elevator music. No, it's no, really no. baff. Here yeah, I am. Punchy, Duff, isn't it? Loved yeah. it. Yeah. And it, about 1983 or four, I got a call from EMI in New York. They're like, oh, we'd love you to come and make an album in, for one of our artists in uh, in New York. And I was like, I've made it. Hey. <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> We're sending you an air ticket. You'll be staying at this hotel. Okay. And as as the flight got nearer and nearer, 
my head was going like this. It's like, yeah, mum, yeah, I think I've made it now. Yeah. Yeah, I've been asked by EMI New York to go and make an album with a, you know, just really just massively big-headed. And I get a limousine to the to Heathrow, mm-hmm. business class on British Airways over there, limo, Mr. Ella at the at JFK. And I'm just like exploding with ego. My ego has just gone completely oh, berserk. I am dangerous, that. the greatest thing that's yeah. ever happened, yeah. ever walked this earth. <laughs> and gets, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a guy from the country in England. I've just been asked to go to New York to make an album, the capital of recording. Oh, it's going to be so good. So I get to the hotel, give the tip the driver a fortune. Oh, yeah, man, thanks. Have a good day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get to the hotel door, and it's one of those, it's like a, one of those rotating doors. And I go through it with my bass and bump into a guy. I'm like, oh, sorry, look up. It's Jaco Pastorius. Oh. Right there in my face, or I rather I'm in his face. And it's God telling me, mm-hmm. calm yourself down, mate. <laughs> yeah. This is the greatest bass player on the planet. Planet, yeah. You may be a little guy from England. But he's the greatest. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I've never been Fantastic. boastful since. I just, there's no point. No, there isn't. Because there's someone down the road who's going to, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah, yeah. there's no point. Just do what you do. Yeah. Be yeah. it as best you can. And that's what's got you to where you've been. I hope so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. you know, we all work hard at it, don't we? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. So that was an interesting, interesting. And he was, I felt so sad about him because he was clearly a genius, genius level. And there aren't many. No. People work hard, but he, you know, his drumming. I mean, just I know the guy. I know. I know. And how old was he then? He was probably twenty-seven or something, or twenty-eight. I know. It's it's Unbelievable musician. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, a bit. You know, he had. I know he had mental issues, and yeah, it, it seems to go with the territory, doesn't it? Maybe. But they're always living genius type people. Whatever form of creativity they do, yeah. they're always on the edge. I think. I think yeah, they're I think on the edge. You know. Such a lost man. He was. I life. believe he was also a very good technician, wasn't he? Um, what, Jacko? Uh, yes, yeah. I you know, he used know to take that. amps apart and. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I, I so I, wow. yeah. Okay. So I heard. So it goes yeah. with the territory, I think. Yeah. Like I can yeah. see the circuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I can feel them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Brilliant! Wow. Yeah. So he, he. That was that was a big thing, and then new wave happened. So uh, the the big thing was leading on from average white band and stuff. My favourite music. I kept going back to this box, this fruit box in the newsagent, and the big the thing that really struck me. Do you remember a song called "Brick House" by the Commodores? Yes. Bassline. That's my favourite bassline of all time. Pardon? We've all danced to that at some point. But the bass. He did last night. It's my it's my favourite thing about. I love a two bar bassline. That's a question and an answer. It's my favourite thing. Which actually. Loop forward 15 years, the, the Matt does that. Yeah. Right. So that's why I felt we'll come on to that. Fantastic. But, um, but I loved all that stuff. That's my biggest influence, I think, is from the average white band to... And then, of course, New Wave happens, mm-hmm. and you hear Talking Heads, and it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of Stax-ish. Yeah. You know, boom, 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 boom. It's, it's all there. It's really yeah, yeah. super yeah, funky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... Elvis Costello's band, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, Jesus no. Christ, what a band. they play what Ian Jury, Ian Jury's band. Yeah. That, that's what I arrived in London in the middle of. Yeah, and then I was very fortunate and got to meet those guys and hang with them and yeah. just so cool. Bruce yeah. Thomas, 
What yeah. a bass player. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't call him funky, but man, right, pump yeah. it up. Absolutely. You know, and the melodies he played, just yeah, astonishing. Yeah. yeah. A- absolutely astonishing. Fantastic. It's just great. So, yeah. uh, James, you mentioned Thother. Yeah. How did that come about? So, wow. Thother was quite interesting. I was complete. I'd spent a lot of time in the States touring yeah. with Nick and Julian Cope and all sorts of people. I mean, years. You add it all up, and it's years on, on a tour bus, I think. You know, it's <laughs> week, add all the weeks, you know. Oh, here's another. 28 week tour you know and it's like all right which again is another sort of university you're playing every night you know what you're doing you you know you know it yeah it's just it's like being in lectures all day long it's just and so i hadn't really heard of that i wasn't aware of them i knew the name but i hadn't heard anything yeah so i knew they were a big deal soul mining came out in 83 i think Mm. and then infected came out in 86 Mm. all that time i was in the state pretty much a lot of that time I was in the States. Mm. So I came back one night at the end of 87. I'd missed Infected, wasn't really aware of what it was. Mm. And I came in from a session, turned the telly on when we had four channels, turned the telly on and it was on Channel 4 and there was this music with a film. And I was like, hello, turned it up, what's this? And I absolutely fell in love with it. Mm. Had, didn't have a clue who it was, didn't know what he looked like. And waited for the credits at the end. It's like, oh, words, Matt John- words of music, Matt Johnson. That's the the. Yeah. Okay, this is the the. Yeah, there, Went yeah. out and bought the record the next day. I've never been hit by something so quickly. Mm, I was wow. like, baff. That is my favourite band. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. great songwriter. And amazing. So I bought that, and I, I was just, how have I missed this? You know. And he called me about three or four months later, beginning of '88, and he said, Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of. I've never wanted to have a band, but now I do. And uh, I've got Dave Palmer. And Dave Palmer, who was the drummer in ABC, we'd okay. already been doing sessions okay, for labels and, you know, four tracks, an album, two tracks, you know, all over town in 87, 88. Yeah. We'd already met. Yeah. So I knew him. And uh, Johnny I'd met. No, this was later. So b- before that, Matt called me and said, yes, I've, got, I've, got, I've asked Dave Palmer. I was like, oh, Dave, great, that's cool. So I'm not doing auditions, I'm having interviews because, and I've been recommended, I've been recommended several five bass players that I should listen to by my friends and other musicians and stuff, and your name has come up. Mm. And so I went to have an interview with him, basically a chat over a coffee, and we got on really well. I was like, well, great. And he called me the next day and said, well, you're the guy, and would you like to be in my band? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. let me think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And no, and he, <laughs> I, I felt like I connected with him and we were just the same now mm. as we were then at that meeting. So we met, we met again and chatted more. And it turned out that I'd been rec- I was the only one who'd been recommended more than once out okay. of the five. Yeah. So I, I think three or four people recommended me. Yeah. He was like, oh, he must be all right. Yeah, but, yeah. but by that point, it was a matter of personality for him, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we could all clearly play. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. You, you, know, you both know what it's like. Yeah, and you've yeah, got to be yeah, on a yeah. tour bus with people. Yeah. You, want, you want a sense of humour. You need to get on. And you want some efficiency. You want yeah, all the stuff, not yeah. just it's very playing. important. Yeah, yeah. And so we got on really well. We have the same relationship now as we did then. Obviously, it's deeper and wider and everything, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, he's a very funny guy. Right. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I just love that the, there was the funniest band I've ever been in. Brilliant. All the sort of, whoa, you know, all the politics and all that <laughs> stuff that he sings about. 
<laughs> funniest band in the world. Yeah. Funniest band I've ever been in. Very hilarious. Guy, hilarious. Day in and day out. Yeah. Fantastic. Joking. I mean, there's just the, the wit. It's top notch. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Which it, that's, that helps a lot, doesn't it? It really does. So that was great. You, you just want to be well, there. On yeah. a long tour, it can grind you down, you know. Oh, you need God, that kind of stuff. It really can. You need some you resilience, man. Yeah. Just. Yeah. 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 So that's been the, that's been. I'm in a weird situation. So so basically, we went to record uh, the first album I did, which was Mind Bomb, his third album, and then we did a hundred date world tour, which was astonishing. He's massive in Australia. Oh yeah. Very big in the states. Uh, so we did a European. We did a world tour, a hundred dates, um, and came back and waited to do Dusk, which was the second record I played on, and because we'd known each other now for three years. We made that record very quickly, and, and it's actually my favourite album of all time. So right. I have to detach myself from it, right, from okay. my because I can I listen to it and think it's somebody else because mm. I love it so much. It's like oh, and then I think God, I'm on that. Mm. I'm on my favourite album of all time. It's really quite. How a, bad can it be? Hey, I mean <laughs> seriously, it's like it's like it's better yeah. than the you know <laughs> the albums I like Led Zeppelin two, Roxy Music yeah, first, first and second records. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. so happy. Yeah, I think yeah. my tombstone just might be the album cover. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, here lies. I just, I, I can't right. believe how lucky I've been. Yeah. You know, really. And, uh, and then we, he didn't do anything from, then he had another band. I, I, we, all, we all left because we had to earn money. So we mm. went to do different things. I had a, I've never spoken about this, but I got a recording deal with um, a Polydor. Got a publishing deal first because I started writing demos. I was just bored waiting for things to happen. Yeah. And somebody picked it up and said, oh, you could make a record. And about a year later, that happened. And I found myself making a record mm. with me singing. I, I, I was saying, I'm looking for a singer, honestly. But, the, yeah, the songs are all right. But I'm looking for a singer. I want someone to really occupy, mm. be the rock star and occupy that. But I found myself with a deal. Yeah. I could have turned it down, I suppose, but I didn't. And it was a big mistake. It left me... I, all my friends were like, oh, no, he's an artist now. Yeah. Don't ask him to play bass on something. He's, he's signed to Polydor, mm. you know, and all that. And it actually turned into a kind of mental catastrophe for me because right. it's the first time I ever really failed. Mm. You know, oh, here's, here are some songs. I'm going to... And it was never released. The record company changed people. And so I was left like, oh, God. Yeah. So it took a while to claw, claw myself out of that. to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah. De you know, so... Yeah. I mean, I liked the process. I liked producing and, you know, working yeah. and hiring musicians and, you know, all that stuff and recording yeah. them. And mm -hmm. it was great, but, uh, but it wasn't for me. I yeah. found out very quickly oh. that... At least I'm, you've experienced that. I experienced it. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not that. Well, life is... I'm not that person who goes... I think Guy Pratt puts it a good way. He said, listen to my stuff. This is me. That's what you need yeah. to, be a, to be a singer. Who's, who's going to stand at the front and go... See this, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. We're not like that. Yeah, we're just, I'm. I'm more like. Yeah, if you if you want to have a look, this is what I do. Yeah, don't look. No. <laughs> it's, just like, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah it it's is. all about yeah, personality. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Being yeah. happy in your role. Yeah, exactly right, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it, James. I'm just going to drop another little name in there. Yeah, Mark Knopfler. Mark Knopfler. So Mark. I, d I never really think, I never sort of put it on a CV or anything, but he, uh, I'm going to be rude for a minute. When I was a new wave guy in 79, 80, mm. Dire Straits 
and ELO, mm. I was like, nope. Not for me. Not for me. Yeah. It's really not for me. And in, in a way, the, the British music scene was quite interesting because you, you could def define yourself as well as stuff you like, stuff you didn't like. Especially in those years, it's like, you know, we what, what the punk said, fuck Led Zeppelin, fuck Pink yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And it's quite a powerful thing mm. because you're excluding them. Yeah. And then your gang is doing this. So they were part, I mean, I was never that rude, but they were part of that thing. I don't want to know that. Yeah. It's it's old school. This is Talking Heads and this is XTC. That's what I am. Yeah. So you define yourself as young people like that. That's what you, you do. do. You yeah. do. So yeah. Dire Straits, and I was like, oh, Dire Straits, fucking hell. And then clearly it's it's the sort of thing, it's a bit like you you can admire people without liking them, that without them touching you there. You can mm -hmm. go, oh, yeah, they're really yeah. great. They're really, really great. It's yeah. the same I have this. I mean, I hope I don't get into trouble, but it's a bit like Queen. It's like you can see how brilliant they are, but it doesn't do that. For yeah. me, it doesn't connect with. Well, me. everybody's different. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's, that's so, yeah. so Dire Straits were like that. And then my yeah. friend um, Julian Cope had a manager called Paul Crockford, who managed uh, Tears for Fears, co-managed Tears for Fears, and Level Forty Two. Great big character, London management character, mm -hmm. and he he looked after me. He he was a great guy, and he was like, "No, you want to be doing this, and don't do that, and you know, blah blah blah." Not yeah. officially as a manager, but he was very helpful. Yeah, and he called me in. Um, he became uh, Mark's manager after Dire Straits. So he managed Mark at the beginning of his solo career in the 90s, I believe it was. Mm. I'm not, I mean, he did soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I worked for Paul for a great singer called William Topley, who's uh, one, got one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. And he, he was an English guy, but he was signed to Mercury Records in Nashville. Primarily, his voice is astonishing. And, and uh, so I worked with him and Paul. So we did several very low-budget tours of the States, uh, did some records and all that stuff. And after that, uh, Paul called me and said, uh, Mark needs a band. So we're doing TV promo in, the, in Europe. It's too expensive. I mean, I'm always aware of whose who's band. <laughs> so he had a Nashville band who were unbelievably brilliant. They've got a bass player called Glenn Wharf, who's a Nash one of the Nashville... One of the five Nashville guys who does everything. Okay. Great guy. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to replace Glenn. Glenn's brilliant, you know. And with my imposter syndrome, as usual. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he said, no, no, we just want, uh, we want, we want, um, we want uh, a British band so we can just pick you up and go to Turin to do a TV show or whatever it is. And some of them are live. So, and he was in. He was kind of trusting me, I think. Yeah, yeah And course. so the first yeah, gig yeah, I did course. with Mark was a Belgian TV show in Brussels. And I didn't know Mark at all. I met him, and he's a great guy. And he's, he's not the sort of the enemy, as I thought Dire Straits were. He's a really <laughs> great guy and very philosophical, mm -hmm. very supportive, very nice, normal, great guy, yeah. and a brilliant musician. We, were yeah, in, we, we had one day of rehearsing, and we were in his studio, Grove... Uh, is it Grove Studios or something... British Grove and rehearsing and we're, we've all been in the presence of good musicians yeah. really good musicians very good musicians and then Mark's there and he's leaning on his on his little Fender amp that's on a flight case talking to his his uh, technician Glenn about what they're having for lunch what are you having for lunch Glenn what should we get today 
and just normal conversation yeah. while peeling off the most amazing guitar playing, not even <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, just yeah. like Dylan, and I was like, I, I mean, wow. I, by this time it doesn't take much to surprise me. You go and kind of go, oh yeah, 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 you know, blah blah blah, and he's absolutely an, an astonishing guitar player yeah and songwriter sure obviously. <laughs> producer i had no idea really but yeah, just yeah without yeah. thinking there's no kind of oh mm, i don't know it's just like it's just yeah. yeah we had curry yesterday didn't we we don't want that again yeah. you know just <laughs> totally you know so when you're in the present i think those people are very few and far between mm. and i'm pleased i'm pleased to have met him Johnny Marr also yes is uh fabulous i think fabulous. we were about to talk about him at one point but he he basically he so Dave was in leather then I was in leather and then Johnny was in leather and John, Matt and Johnny knew each other from the early 80s right they slept on each other's floors when they went to London and Manchester like that they were really good buddies and then yeah. Johnny did the Smiths obviously and yeah. Matt did leather um, so it's a very he's he I mean to be in a band with Matt who is my favourite songwriter producer and Johnny who is I hope he doesn't hear this because I, I mean I, I oh, he's my favorite he's, <laughs> he's my favorite musician yeah ever yeah and I my, one well, of my something one of my favorite things wow. if I want to laugh I go on to like guitar player forums and find the person who's slagging Johnny Maroff and that it's like what does, what does anybody see in him man he's not like Satriani or anything and it's just hilarious it's like have you ever stood in a room with Johnny Marr I played with him for five years. Wow. Made two albums with him, a hundred shows. There's many again rehearsals. Wow. Never heard him make one God. mistake. Not one. Not, not one. one mistake. Fantastic. He's so Fantastic. he's so on top of what he does. And you see people trying to play what he plays. Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, well, there's, there's only one Johnny Marr. There really is. There's always a critic. There's always oh, someone. Yeah, but if, and if I need cheering up, I go and yeah. yeah. yeah there's only one those people. He, hear what they've got to say. He's he's incredible, yeah. and I also I, the, one of the tr Johnny helped me. Pr he produced a couple of tracks, five tracks for me, I think, on my Polydor record that never came out. And we were in, um, we went down to Mono Valley in Wales, sister of Rockfield, to record some drums. So I had my friend Chris Whitten, who played with McCartney and Dire Straits, and okay, yeah. Julian Cope. He was the. I, Can you come and play on my record? He's like, of course. So we, <laughs> yeah. we had like three three drum tracks to do. And starting at midday, we were done by Chris is very fast. Yeah. And it was all done, and me and Johnny sitting there, well, we're done at about five o'clock. Great, we can go home early. And um, so Johnny said to me, You know that song you, you've got, uh, It All Comes Flooding Back? I was like, Yeah, yeah. And he said, Why don't we do a version now? I've got my, I've got my Rick, Ricky in the, in the boot. So he gets his Rick and Backer out. And uh, let's do a version like this. Because it's something I'd sequenced to death. Right. Like it was a bit sort of gothic, I don't know, gothic song, dark song sort of thing. Quite a good song, but... Or this sort of stuff. And Johnny was like, might sound great with just electric, electric guitar played like an acoustic and you singing, let's try it. I was like, okay, no problem. That's when I understood why singers like him. He, the way he plays, the way he voices things, mm -hmm. your voice, when you're singing, it sounds so supported. There's stuff under it, around it, above it, harmonizing with what, you're, what mm -hmm. the melody is. I see, and yeah. it's like having your, have you ever worn a neck brace? Yeah. So you feel incredibly supported. Your head, because it's all in your head, because you're 
you're in headphones. Yeah. You've got a guitar, stereo guitar and your voice in the middle with nice reverb. Yeah. He's in, it's incredible, an yeah. incredible feeling. Or it's like being driven around in a Bentley or something. Yeah. Just so, there's no kind of like, oh, this is my bit. Yeah. It's all about where's the it, melody it at? What does it sound like? It? I'm going to yeah. support that. Yeah. So that's why Chrissy Hine loves him. That's why all singers, Neil Finn, that's why they love him. I'm right. sure. I mean, he's yeah, a great yeah. guy anyway, but yeah. that's yeah. the fundamental of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, very interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. he's incredible. He is. I saw him the other night and they, he had. Um, you said he did a gig down this way? Yeah. yeah. Cheese and Grain and Froome on is that, Wednesday. What, what is that? A, a pub? What is it? No, it's like a big. Um, it's like a sort of an old market hall. Oh, yeah. Uh, cheese, and, cheese and grain is what they used to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's slowly turned into uh, this sort of quite cool venue. Uh, let's see if I can get... I took some pictures. Did you bell him for some comps then, James? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I which, the, which they didn't deliver to the desk, so it was a bit embarrassing. Oh, that I was like, Johnny, help, help there's nothing me. here. Ah! So he's like, I'm sending someone now. I know, Johnny might. Yeah, of course you do. We've uh, got another one here. <laughs> I've had some great ones of those. I went to see Paul McCartney last year. Yeah. So it's a building like this. Hold on a sec. Just, <laughs> oh, I've got some more. We'll just point out, James is going to show us a picture on his on phone. On his phone, yeah. Of yeah. course. So it's about 800 people. Oh, that's a nice size. Oh, that's um, a nice size, isn't it? But Paul, McCart- Paul, McCartney, Paul McCartney and the Foo Fighters have played that. It's like that. Oh, that okay. sort of size, 800 right. people. Right. And that's in Froome? Froome, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Brilliant. It's one of the reasons why oh. Froome has become so yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul McCartney played there last year. Foo Fighters the year before. Two years before. Just why is that, before why is Glastonbury. That beca- oh, oh, I see. So Emily Evis is on the board, I think, of the Cheese up. and Grain. Their support for... Yeah. They, they support the cheese and grain. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a sort of com, com, community studio as well in the back there. And yep. yeah, it's just, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah. So, James, what, what's next? What's next? What does the future hold for James Well, Ella? the future, I can't believe I have a, still have a future. <laughs> That's one thing. Well, well of course you got, have. You're, you're amazing. You know, you have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. You know, uh, I'm. Immediately, well, immediately there's a there's a tour with the French guy that I've been playing with for 22 years now. Okay, uh, I've done all his albums since his second one, and we have a tour coming in. I think we rehearse in October through. And there's 20 shows in November, December, I think. Yeah, yeah. there'll be those big um, zenith places. Oh, it's okay, like between five and ten thousand. Yeah. So he's got an absolutely devoted following. And uh, he's culturally important as well. It's not just like, oh, here's another songwriter. He's he's like an award-winning poet, nice. cultural vagabond. You know, he's Who they love him. Who is this? It's a guy called Damien Sayez, S-A-E-Z. Right. And he's very controversial. Okay. Says what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, apparent, I mean, French lyrics, but he's won awards for poetry. And yeah. yeah. He's, it's a bit like, he's a bit like um, his... Beatles and Stones were Nirvana and Jeff Buckley. Right. So it's Jeff that, Buckley. Yeah, it's that. He sounds kind no. of somewhere between those two. Oh, okay. So he yeah. can do very gentle, beautiful ballads yep. with a piano or an acoustic. Or it's like full on. Bah! Yeah, yeah. So I, I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, I like it. So you. Why uh, check that out? Yeah. Yeah. I felt well at home with him the first day I recorded with him. Mm down in Rockfield he, he came to Rockfield to record yeah. and uh, 
you know, musically just, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. It was a bit like the first, the first, the second record which I made with him. It's a bit like the tracks I did were a bit like Radiohead. It was like, oh well, okay. it's a no-brainer for me. It's that mm. sort of mm. indie alternate alternative music that I like with yeah, good yeah. songs and singing. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so with melody, you know, it's like ah, oh, that's me. There it was we a are. bonus, isn't it? Melody? You want yeah. some, you want more fuzz? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> cool. You know, or less, Brilliant. or whatever it is. You know, I like that. Mm. I like the being able to design the bottom end if you like you yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and what's what riggy what are you playing what well that's i've been galleon kruger amps oh yeah yeah since 1979 clive langer who i spoke about gave, yeah. me, gave me a budget i didn't have like i said i didn't have anything i didn't have cables yeah. or anything yeah yeah and so i went down to denmark street walked in the base shop whatever whichever one it was with 600 quid wow budget a lot of money in those days what a fortune yeah to buy a base rig Right. So there's all the sort of fenders, ampegs, all that stuff. And I saw this th- right in the opposite corners of the door. I was like, what's that? And it was a Galleon Kruger amp. Yeah. And if often I see pictures of Tina Weymouth standing in front of it. And the guy said, oh, Talking Heads came down here yesterday and sold us all their touring gear because they're going back to the States. They've right. been touring Europe for yeah. weeks. And they, they bought it here and then sold it. Right. So I got this, uh, I bought this amp. It was 300 quid I think I went and got a cabinet somewhere else so Galleon Kruger and I was like that's my amp and then that lasted about six years and I bought another one mm. and I'm on my third one now but the second one still works right. so it's just the sound I like it's a bit clinical mm. um, but you can put like a valve in front of it or something and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I use yeah. um, I have an astonishing bass guitar you'll be interested in that oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> all, I'm sitting there it, it's fantastic I, I lived in Taunton okay. and then, then I'd been on some tour or something, long American tour, mm. and I went back to see my mum and dad. And I had an old mate there who had a shop, music shop. So I, and Trace Elliott amps had just come out. I, I love Elliott. Like, and I was like, I've got to, got to see what they're like. So I went down there and I said to my mate who owned the shop, I said, can you give me the worst bass you've got, mate? I want to try your Trace Elliott. And <laughs> he literally stood up behind the counter off the top shelf picked up this bass guitar no case or anything blew the dust, dust off, wiped off. it down <laughs> so this is the worst coffee said this is the worst <laughs> bass I've ever played <laughs> I was like okay thanks I went to sit down in the corner sitting on a Fender Twin or something plugged it into the Trace Elliott 20 minutes later I walked out with the bass not the amp really and the bass I kept in my you know when you move flats alone yeah, in London yeah. and stuff and every flat I went in I'd just take this bass and uh, and I'd use it for practice because all my other stuff was either in a van or, or yeah. in a rehearsal room or a lock up or lock something up, like yeah, that yeah. so I took this took this bass and I, I was using a music man that I'd had on permanent loan from an old friend of mine and a jazz bass mm. so I, and, a, and a wow bass sorry so I had those two were my staples and then I got called by Island Records on in eight, 1986 on a Saturday. said, can you come to Angel tomorrow to work with Julian Cope? We need to do one more track. I was like, okay. Or we need to do a track quickly. I said, okay, I can. Tried to find my mate who was looking after all, all our gear. Couldn't find him. Turns out he'd gone to Margate for the weekend nice. before mobiles and email. Yeah, so I couldn't yeah. find him. So I turned it. I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll take this bass. It sounds good acoustically. So I'll take my 69 quid bass. I'll take this mm. for this session. 
So I took it in, and the producer was Ed Stasium, who went on to do uh, Living Colour and stuff, but he'd already done a load of New York bands. And so I took this in and got it out of its really cheap gig bag. And I was like, look, I can only get this, you know. Honestly, I'll, call, I'll get easy hire to send a P-Base or something. And, uh, and the guy, he, he said, no, man, it's cool, let's try it. I was like, <laughs> plugged it in, literally went ding, dong, gong, gong, bit of tuning. And he was like, that's the best-sounding bass I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, I'll, I'll call easy hire. He's like, no, no, we've got to try it. So we plugged it all, you know, it was all plugged in. There was a buzz on it, so they had to get a teaspoon with a bit of what shove the teaspoon down my trousers and attach the wire to the bridge so it wouldn't buzz anymore right, yeah. perfectly silent oh, the track brilliant. turned out to be was world shut your mouth which is a julian cope record yeah. which yeah. is a big hit top 10 hit oh, about three months later huge hit the yeah. track was done we did it in about 20 minutes it's just because this bass has this thing and i don't know why it is but you can play it almost in any genre and it's it has this thing we were talking about sitting Mm. on grooves before sonically this thing just sits in tracks it's really bizarre mm. i don't know why freak yeah. it's a freak and i've got yeah. I, I mean i love it so much i've got two more i, I buy <laughs> them when i see them i've got two more and they're not one's almost as good right and one's terrible so i turned it into a threatless what's the make of it then it's a k you know like woolworth's Right. It's a K oh, bass. Oh my lord, lord, lord! <laughs> and I, I've recorded a lot in the studio ICP in Brussels, and they have yeah. a massive collection of vintage gear. It's in a warehouse, so you go there to hire gear to record with gear. You want a '64 Fender Rhodes Mark II? Okay, no problem. Well, it's a no problem. Which one do you like? Four mm. of them. Amps, you know the whole. It's a brilliant place. Mm. So they've got very expensive and sought after bass guitars. They never beat my K. <laughs> you know, it's like That's well, unreal, isn't it? So I, what I does that a, say? Eh? I used wow. to have, a, I used to have a, a rack of, you know, my K sits in it. They've got a good um, Jack Cassidy bass Epiphone, but it it does one thing. They've got P basses, Sadowski basses, the whole works, and it's always like I'm going to try the Sadowski on this in precision mode. Let's mm. turn the active off, and we'll have a precision sound. And we've used that on two tracks out of about 120 in the last five years because I think just because the strings were newer and we weren't needed long sustained notes for the verses. Boom. Mine doesn't do that. It goes boom. And it's short. Sure. Yeah. Mm. But it sounds very like Andy Fraser. The, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love yeah. the thing. 69 quid. It's, my mo- it's the thing I would take, run downstairs and get out of my house if it was on fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I've got some good basses as well. Not very many, but they're, they're yeah, really good. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, jazz bass is my. I've got a eighties squire. You know the eighties squire yeah, story yeah. where they, they were making them brilliantly. They and were told really good. Fender told them to stop. I've got two really of those. Good. I've got, in fact, I've got three. I've and got, they're worth a few quid, James, as well. I've got an eighty-six jazz, an eighty-three precision, <sighs> an eighty-five strat, and they're all the best of the yeah of the okay, of their yeah. type. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're just brilliant Fantastic. and yeah. Yeah, so I don't have... I've got a semi-acoustic, which is being fixed at the moment, a de-armoured one, a couple of acoustic basses, guitars. Fantastic. So, yeah. Great. Wow. Well, James. It's been a pleasure. 
What an absolute yeah. joy. I, I've yeah. really an enjoyed it. An absolute yeah. joy to I've yeah. really enjoyed it. I could, I could do the same again. Oh, can we just right. keep going, Mark? I don't want this one. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. want to carry on. This is just like... Oh, a, you're really kind. Oh, this no, is like amazing. I said before, I've never done an interview before, so that's been a joy. Well, we're really so privileged to have that, aren't we, Simon? A bit trepidatious coming yeah. over, so... Oh. Well, really chuffed. Thank no, you. no, thank you for it's coming. Been a pleasure for us. It's absolutely. been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. No, seriously, you've made me feel very welcome and at home and great. at ease. Great. Great. Thanks. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank All you. Right. Great. Well, Simon, that well, James Ella, fantastic, brilliant. Yeah. What a great musician and what, and great stories. Great stories. Yeah. I wow. Fantastic. Johnny Marr. Man, 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 man. Yeah. Worked with Johnny Marr. Chrissy Hine. Mark Knopfler. Yeah. Sophie Ellis Baxter. I mean, the list just goes on yeah, and does. on and on. The guy, Julian, Julian Cope. Cope. Yeah, yeah. Julian yeah. Cope. I mean, geez. All those sessions and all that he did. Fantastic. And yep. such a lovely, lovely man. Really lovely guy. Yeah. I very, mean, very easy to, to talk to. Very easy, nice. yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think he enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed it. Yeah. I know I enjoyed it. I yeah, mean, but very much so. You know, you don't get... You know, we, we didn't even touch on Billy Bragg. And now we talked about Kirsty, which I yeah, love, yeah, Kirsty yeah, McCall. Yeah, Teardrop yeah. Explodes was another one yeah, the man's been with. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, really good. And a so great podcast. Day two has started on a high. Day two has started on a high. Yeah. Um, the producer's woken up with a hangover, but that's yes. only expected when, you know, you let yourself down and you let yeah. the team down. So yes. that's fine, of course. Fine, of course, course yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's fine. I am a musician as well. Of course, yes. <laughs> yes. But no, I'm looking yeah, forward great. to, we've got, we got uh, quite a busy schedule today. Um, so I'm looking forward to what's coming on and then, yep. yeah, it'd be great. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. All right. So thank you very much. And yep. uh, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Marcus Podcast. The only Marcus Podcast.